Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Might's Well Get Outdoors podcast. On today's episode, we're shooting down Wolf Gummerman. Wolf is a member of the Arizona chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, BHA. Uh, more specifically, he's a member and uh, is very involved with the NAU ch- Collegiate chapter of BHA. So with the, chap- the chapter up there in Flagstaff, uh, they recently put on a hunting for sustainability workshop near Sedona. And what's really cool is this out- this uh, was set up for new hunters to get introduced and mentored by more veteran hunters, uh, with this one specifically being to hunt um, Gamble's quail. So this is a really cool episode. We're sitting down and we talk about everything from uh, getting new hunters out there to bird dogs to llamas. Uh, so you're going to want to sit around and check out this one fully. So, uh, yeah, if it sounds like something you might be interested in, make sure you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Mites Will Gate Outdoors podcast. On the Wolf, uh, sorry, on the interview today, we have Wolf Government of uh, BHA. Um, Wolf, uh, thanks for coming on to the show today. Yeah, nice to nice to be here. Uh, good to hear from you, Jesse. Uh, we had a great weekend. Met you a couple of weeks ago. We had a great time, so I'm sure we'll catch up on that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but before we get into the event, Wolf, do you mind giving us a little bit of background, you know, on yourself and you know how you became affiliated with BHA or Backcountry Hunters and Anglers? If folks don't know what we're talking about, you bet. I'm a relatively new hunter, so maybe about five years ago I started hunting. Uh, my dad started hunting about the same age that I did. Um, I've always enjoyed his, you know, eating uh, game, and I understood the management issues. I just didn't really think I could, you know, shoot animals. I'd fly fished, and you know, most of those fish I had released, you know, kept kept some of them, but I really didn't think I could uh, uh, look something in the eye and shoot it. But uh, <laughs> I definitely can now, and and I'm totally addicted. It's uh, uh, it's it's really a, a pleasure to be out outside and uh, and getting out and about and uh, chasing game. I've, I've done a lot of foraging, uh, mushrooms, berries, different things like that, and I kind of see it as an extension of that, really. Uh, and I've learned learned so much in the last few years. Uh, with BHA, my my son got me involved. Uh, bought, bought a uh, my wife and I had a membership one Christmas and uh, he said I think you guys would like this I think we were just starting to get in into hunting and um, and it just seemed like such a, a perfect group for me you know there are a lot of hunters that are, are relatively new hunters or hunters that have, have been on been hunting for a long time but the mission of public lands is uh, their mission, you know, kind of advocating for public lands really spoke to me. So uh, really gotten, started to get involved, went to their annual rendezvous a couple times in Boise. Uh, you know, great get-together, great seminars, good people, uh, plenty of beer, of course, and uh, <laughs> uh, seminars, uh, just really campfire stories all kinds of great things. So I really 
that that really stuck with me and got to meet some of the the folks from the Arizona chapter uh, at the at the rendezvous and and that kind of really got me on a path towards uh, towards uh, working with them more. I'm now on the Arizona chapter board. I also uh, I'm also a uh, advisor for the uh, Northern Arizona University. A collegiate BHA club. I helped uh, kind of convince a student to get that rolling. Uh, I was a professor at NAU and recently retired. So uh, just really wanted to get, I thought it would just be a great thing for, for NAU and students to get involved. And it's, it's coming along. It's uh, uh, working on getting more members and doing more activities, but they were essentially, you know, a co-sponsor of this event this last couple weekends ago right yeah so uh uh i had a question right to talk but uh so how long has any you had a collegiate chapter is this brand like within the last year or a couple of years yeah or? i think it's a year and a few months old all right so it sounds like you guys have you know for being so young you've you know kind of stepped up and uh i know that the the, the members that attended i say i was gonna say this past weekend but the two weekends ago event uh, everybody seemed to be pretty, you know, pretty interested, and because um, it kind of confused me about uh, everybody kept referring it to Hunt Club. I thought it was kind of like a fight club, like nobody's supposed to talk about it, kind of thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that's I think it's pretty awesome that you guys are doing that up there, and and uh, you know, especially with the like you said, the the pretty cool message that BHA is, is has. So uh, being able to share that and get that into a more of a collegiate, you know, that demographic i think is i think it's pretty awesome yeah and it's kind of perfect for bha and you know, i'm a pretty old old guy for bha i think the <laughs> average age is probably like 30 35 or something i'm almost i'll turn 60 uh next year so you know i'm an old guy for for bha but uh yeah uh, that's I, uh... I try and really get after it that's for sure yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's really the only thing you need to do is you know, even if you don't get after it, because I, mean, I know you go to like pint nights and you get folks there that don't hunt at all. Just you know, you got backpackers showing up. I think it was mentioned. Uh, I think Jack or somebody might have mentioned it at the meeting. That, you know, not everybody that's in BHA is you know a hunter or an angler. It's just, but they still uh, that public lands message really speaks to them. So they kind of you know it's 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 an organization that kind of jumps out of the demographic but at the same time um you know i call it the the craft beer demographic that's what uh my girlfriend gets uh upset with me whenever i talk about it but um <laughs> you know i always tell you know it's, it's the craft beer age it's uh it's the folks that you know would rather have go to a brewery than you know drink a case of bud lights but uh yeah definitely and I, yeah and that, and that might be incorrect but that's just the way i've been looking at it and uh i don't know I can't say much because I drink craft beer. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so do I. Yeah, and so maybe you know, maybe this is ringing a little truer than I originally thought. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's get into the event. Cause, I mean, it was we, you know, it was only a couple of days, but I think we covered a lot in the in those couple of days. We did, we did. It was really, uh, it was a little stressful. You know, I organized it, so I was kind of pretty stressed the week before and leading up to it and you know getting everybody out to our, our campsite in Sedona um, 
but it all all came together, you know, getting all the food together because all the food was taken care of. But uh, we we started out, and, and you met us at camp. We were actually a little late. Um, go figure. Um, but we started <laughs> out at the Northern Arizona Shooting Range, uh, uh, just here near Flagstaff, and it's a great great range, great people. Uh, they were a, a partner on this event, so they they waived the range fees and uh, all we had to really pay for are the, were the clay the clays. Uh, and so we had uh, they had three range officers there and we had all the participants. I think there were eight or something like that uh, participants. And some had never shot a shotgun before. Some had shot a shotgun, some had shot a bow, but never a gun. So it was really kind of a, a wide range. Uh, uh, and we had uh, shotguns for kind of loner shotguns. I had a few, uh, a couple of other BHA folks brought some. And I know you guys uh, from Quail Forever brought some to the camp. Uh, uh, so it was good to kind of get people used to firing a shotgun. We, we first went over safety. Uh, you know, basic safety issues, and then talked a little bit about uh, ammo and the size of ammo, uh, 20 gauge and 12 gauge. Most people shot 12 gauge, but uh, had some 20 gauges there too as well. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see, kind of start getting to see them uh, clicking, you know, at first, you know, missing a lot <laughs> and, then, uh, and then hitting a lot, you know. And so we, we were doing traps figured that was probably uh, easiest to get used to the guns and and uh, and work and and uh, the range officers there were just wonderful one was a board member of the northern Arizona shooting range two of them might be uh, maybe all three were but you know they they really helped out and uh, uh, were really supportive of the participants yeah because all uh... Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make that one. I, I went straight, like you said, I went straight to camp. But uh, no, I think trap was definitely a good choice because, especially you know, running over mostly. I mean, you know, my my Labrador Boone was the only uh, flusher in camp, so I think trap was a good choice just because, you know, they're going to be shooting those going aways mostly, you know, over a over a pointing dog. But uh, it seemed like everybody, you know, was pretty comfortable with the whole idea by the time they got to camp. So I don't know. I think you guys did a pretty good job with that introduction and. Uh, I know, yeah, I know my three shooters, um, I probably should refer to them that way, but that's what I always call them, uh, my three, can't really call them clients, men mentees. Yeah, Kid, there you go. Kids, I mean, they are younger than me, so, yeah, so, uh, I know all, all three of the ones that hunted with me and, and Boone, um, they all did a fantastic job, and, you know, everybody was very safety conscious and kept their muzzles, uh, good directions, um, they kept getting kind of, well, one of them got upset with me because I, the gun I handed her had uh, double triggers, and that was a whole new facet on top of, you know, oh. trying to figure out everything else. Um, you know, all she's all, you know, the, you get one trigger pull, and that's it, one shot, one trigger. So uh, that was pretty. It, to me, it was comical, but she figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've only used a double trigger a couple times, and I, yeah, you, you tend to, I, or I tend to forget. Oh yeah, darn. Yeah. Gotta move that, move that finger. Yeah, no, I've I, I just shot double so long. It's, you know, my hand just kind of slams right back into that second trigger. But, uh, but yeah. So you guys went and did the the uh, the shooting portion, and everybody got through that. And you guys came down to camp, and you know, everybody kind of set up, and 
uh, you know, and that was on Friday night, and we met, that was the night we all met EJ. Uh-huh. So let's talk about EJ a little bit, because uh, I thought that was really cool having him there to, to share. Yeah, definitely. He's a, a friend of mine, uh, EJ uh, Satella, and he's a Hopi elder. And I'd worked with him. I'm an anthropologist, so I, when I retired at NAU, I was archaeologist, anthropologist, and uh, worked a lot in South America and Peru most of my career, kind of went into administration, and then started working with, with Hopi, and uh, um, primarily with the Hopi tribe and the Cultural Preservation Office, and and EJ was one of the elders we worked with, and it was it was a youth uh, kind of youth connecting connecting youth with their language, with their culture, and uh, with archaeology. So, um, and I grew up doing archaeology in the Southwest. My father's a archaeologist, pretty famous Southwestern archaeologist. So uh, I grew up in this area. We moved to the Midwest for a while, but. My dad did a lot of archaeology in, in Arizona and various places around here. And so, you know, my heart was always there, but I wanted to do something different. So I worked in Peru. But then uh, as I moved in more into administration at the university, I couldn't travel to Peru for two, three months out of the year, what I usually did during the summer. So I started working on a project, we developed a project to connect Hopi youth with their elders and uh, with archaeology, because the archaeology around here, the, those these are their ancestral sites. So uh, we would go to Mesa Verde, we'd do river trips down the San Juan, uh, and always have elders and, and youth involved and, and connect them uh, with their past and, and with their language. We worked a lot on language. I don't speak Hopi, but you know, my role was really just kind of connecting and organizing, <laughs> excuse me, Yep. organizing, getting people together. And uh, it was just really wonderful. And EJ was always, you know, I really uh, enjoy working with EJ. Uh, I took him to a couple conferences internationally, uh, World Archaeological Converse Conferences, where we presented presented to other indigenous groups on, you know, kind of what we did and what we were doing. So when I first started organizing this hunting for sustainability workshop, I thought, you know, God, it wouldn't be great to get some, some Hopi involved because, you know, they have a, you know, stories and especially the elders have different stories about how they used to hunt. And uh, for instance, EJ uh, brought some greasewood stick. <coughs> greasewood sticks and and kind of showed you know it didn't really show us but kind of uh, uh, demonstrated a little bit how he used to hunt uh, uh, rabbits using these throwing sticks and it's just hard to imagine you know throwing a stick at a rabbit and, and getting it <laughs> right and getting it. hitting him uh, you know a shotgun works pretty well I, I think uh, so it was really good to have him there he's also he was uh, stand-up comedian he was also a uh a dj on the hopi radio so ej the dj <laughs> and uh uh you know so he has a good sense of humor as well uh lost his 
his hearing so bad, you know, I think he missed half of what we said and had to kind of yell in his ear. But I, I think people really appreciated having him there. Oh, I know I did. I thought he was, I don't know. I hope I meet EJ again because he was a, he was a card and a half. He was a lot of fun to be around and talk to. And, uh, you know, you never saw him without a smile on his face. And I think that definitely, um, you know, even because, I mean, let's face it, the weather was kind of miserable at times. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that weather, I couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, we haven't had rain in months and beautiful weather. And then, God, that wind was just brutal. Oh, yeah, there was tents getting ready to fly away. And. <laughs> You know, we got rained on. Just yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like I was on the Great Plains again. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too rainy, but it. You know, I guess it could have been. It would have kept the dust down. I'm. I'm still cleaning dust out of, out of all my stuff. I can't believe it. Oh yeah, I took my camera out yesterday and uh, or uh, excuse me, not yet. well yeah, yesterday too, but um, for our Quail Forever event up north. And I was trying to get take photos, and every time I'm trying to turn the lens for the camera, all I can hear is it's grit as it goes through. Like, oh, oh man, that's brutal. Yeah, I gotta do a lot of cleaning. But uh, oop, getting ready to pull the microphone off the stand. But uh, yeah, so uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, the weather was definitely. Then you know, we'll get into Sunday, but you know, we got sleeted on Sunday, but. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think. So Friday, you did the cooking, right? And there was uh, we had what was it? Jackrabbit and antelope, correct? Yeah, I made some jackrabbit barbacoa, kinda. It didn't really turn out like barbacoa that much. I, I don't know what I did wrong, but <laughs> and I I think I needed a little more fat to uh, kind of dry it out, especially since I cooked it again, or I should have kept some of the sauce in there but uh, some jackrabbit tacos and that was actually a jackrabbit that we got last uh february before uh covid we did a uh nau bha rabbit hunt and uh we, i got one rabbit and threw it in the freezer so um brought it out and and cooked it up kind of that hank shaw recipe and and uh turned out pretty good and then i did some uh uh, I guess it was antelope. Uh, I ground up some antelope the the uh, night before, a couple days before the the workshop, and uh, so made some antelope tacos too. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the jackal the jack the jackalope the jackrabbit was a little dry, but I thought it was still pretty good. No good. I mean, the food all weekend was was very good. I thought we ate pretty. I thought we ate pretty damn well, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it was good, and I also I made that uh, that coos uh, coos liver uh, pate, or I guess it's uh, really a mousse out of the meat eater cookbook, uh, and it I thought it that turned out really good. Yeah, that seemed to be pretty popular. Everybody, you know, everybody was walking over grabbing some crackers and getting some of the pate, and uh, yeah, like I said, we ate definitely ate pretty pretty good, and um, like I said, you were using the like the Hank Shaw recipes, and it's pretty hard to go wrong with those kind of recipes yeah definitely it's yeah and I, I think you know that's what's so special about wild game really is uh, the food you get from it oh yeah um, you know, of course a lot of things i mean the chase and the tracking and you know the 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 
of quail. <laughs> quail, I just love that sound. You know, it gets into my heart. Um, that's one of the best sounds in the world is those wings beating. Oh, yeah, especially when you get a hundred of them going all at once. You know, you get that thunder and you know, that, that whirring thunder going 20 yards ahead of you. You know, it's, it, gets your, it gets your heart beating a little faster. That's for sure. Definitely. And that's one thing we should mention, too. I mean, well, I guess we should just jump right into Saturday. So Saturday is when the first day we actually started hunting. We didn't do any hunting Friday because everybody got there kind of, you know, it was dark. Let's face it, it was dark. Um, Right. (laughs) So Saturday we did some hunting. We did another, uh, I think we did another safety brief in the morning. Um, So I was there along with Pat Moore on behalf of Quail Forever. So, uh, Pat and Mike and you and, you know, everybody that had dogs, we kind of did a little brief intro and, um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, t- I'm, I'm stealing my own show, but <laughs> no, no, that's good. I think it was great to have, I mean, I think, you know, one, one of the really nice things about this workshop, I mean, there's so many of them, but I think those partnerships and, and, you know, partnering with Cape Coil forever, I think this could be a really something we can continue to work on in the in the future uh you know get some on the ground i think a lot of our our bha members are really looking for on the ground projects and uh you know i think pint nights are good but you know i think really people want to get out on the public lands do some things for our public lands so you know i think it would be great if and We've talked. We talked about it. Is is kind of working towards partnering on some on the ground projects. But it was great having uh, Pat Pat talk about uh, you know how to work with with uh, dogs because you know you're always nervous. You've got a dog that you love so much and new hunters that are fairly new to guns and but you know I think they all did a really good job and they were they were I think the. The students I worked with were so impressed with, uh, the participants were so impressed with the dog work, Um, you know, how hard those dogs work and finding the quail and, you know, my case, pointing them, your case, flushing them. Uh, It's just, you know, it's so impressive to, to see. So I think that was, you know, it was good, good to have the dogs there and the students work with the dogs. Uh, I think, you know, we kind of, I really discourage people from shooting rabbits uh, when they were with me, just because you know, unless they knew exactly where that dog, where where my dog was. But uh, so we didn't come away with any rabbits, but we saw some. Uh, but it was always a little little sketchy. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. I know a lot of guys, and oh, myself included. Although I will admit, because I got my days confused, and I remember that. John wanted a cottontail, but I didn't remember or didn't get a shot until Sunday morning. So I had one come up, and I knew Boone was off way, way to my left. And this rabbit comes out, and bang, you know, he starts doing the tumble. And so, all right, so, all right, we got one for John. And uh, Joe looks over at me and says, John left an hour ago. So, oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> they had already been on the road for Nevada. I said, well, I guess I got one for the freezer. But oh, There you go. Yep. So Joe didn't take it, huh? The rabbit? Yeah. Oh no, we threw it in my freezer and um we butched it, you know, we butched it right there in the field and 
because I didn't want the fleas and, and the ticks and whatnot in my game bag. So, uh, right, yeah, definitely. Joe, yeah, Joe got a pretty quick demo on fully cleaning the rabbit. We threw it in a in a ziploc, threw that in my game bag, and walked back to the truck. And but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize Excellent. that. Yeah, I didn't even realize that they had left until. Yeah, so that's <laughs> it's just uh, it, pay, it it pays to to pay attention to what other folks are doing, I guess. Yeah, um, well, you know, a lot going on, that's for sure. Oh yeah, sure. But uh, no, and I and so going back to Saturday, cause I feel like I'm hopscotching around. But going back to Saturday, I thought it was pretty cool how you how you guys set it up, where each student got their name drawn out of a hat with by the mentors. Uh, and then you know that we all kind of separate out from there. And um, but I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So we had. Did you say eight attendees? We had more show up Saturday morning, right? Yeah, you know, it probably averaged about eight, I think, or maybe it was nine total. A um, couple had to leave, you know, one had so much homework to do. Um, and, you know, maybe the wind had played, you know, I don't know. <laughs> the dog ate my homework now. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it was probably about eight, eight participants. And, uh, I, I, I agree, I, you know, that was kind of, I wasn't really sure how to, how to partner up uh, mentors with mentees and um, I just thought, oh, let's just do that randomly and uh, draw out of a hat. And I, you know, I think it was also good switching it up. So, you know, we had basically three hunts, the uh, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday morning and um, really, uh, you know, I worked with three different people, and so they get to work with different dogs, or sometimes folks without dogs, and and uh, so I, you know, I think really that helped. Uh, the students are going to learn more because they're working with different people. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. Um, especially the ones that, uh, as I worded, the unfortunate ones that uh, hunted with me, but uh, no, yeah, the ones that, uh, but um. Uh, yeah, no, I think that was awesome. You know, we got to to check out the different dogs. Um, we had a few different, not only different dogs, um, but different how the hunters worked the dogs, how the different breeds worked. Um, and you know, the ones that uh, hunted with Boone and I, you know, they got to see, uh, you know, how a pointing dog worked versus a flusher like Boone, because I mean, Boone's only. You know, he's only working 30 yards out. You know, it's you know, cover a lot less ground, so you got to be a little bit more methodical in, in how you cover your country. And uh, But you're forced to do a lot more legwork, too, that you wouldn't have to do uh, with a pointer. But but he's fun. I like hunting over him. Yeah, definitely. My dad has a lab, and it's definitely a lot of fun. I wish he'd stay 30 yards, though. <laughs> yeah, that's been a uh, – well, it's been a lot of working, so I've been going up with Pat and, you know, working a lot with him and – uh, you know, he's come a long ways as a bird dog and or as a gun dog because if Pat's gonna hear me saying bird dog for, in reference to Boone, just be shaking his head. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, because uh, uh, labs are retrievers, not bird dogs. It's uh, oh. yeah, kind of an old school way of looking at it, but uh, that's why I kind of refer to I just use the word gun dog because that refers to everybody as kind of a blanket. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. Interesting. Well, near did I start to hunt with Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, so 
how did you, so with your guys, how did your hunt go Saturday morning? Oh, it was good. Um, let's see. Who did I have? I had, uh, I had Jesse. I think that was Saturday morning. And we, we walked, uh, right out of camp and, uh, within, I don't know, three minutes, uh, some birds got up and EJ went with us. So EJ was with us. Um, after a while he got really tired. And so I had, I kind of had him go back to the road and he went kind of walked got back to camp but uh EJ didn't get a shot off uh, but we had birds I don't know 3 minutes out of camp and we were right right there basically and and quite a few of them so we kind of chased those for a little bit and kept running into birds uh, Bella had a couple good points the wind was 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 moving pretty good at you know it was not too strong and it wasn't like later it was really swirling it was a little harder for uh for the <clears throat> for the dogs but um uh, uh, uh jesse really seemed like she enjoyed it uh it was good we took a break for a little bit and just kind of chatted and uh, we talked more about guns and safety uh, I think she had a, I think she borrowed one of Pat's, uh, break open. So that was nice. And, you know, like if we're going down into a ravine, I had her break it open or crossing under a fence, things like that. Uh, and she really seemed like she enjoyed it. She only got one shot off, but, uh, she did get a shot off. So that was, <laughs> that was nice. I didn't, uh, kind of held back and didn't, uh, I was carrying my gun, but, uh, um, I had it unloaded just so I could, because she's so new at it, uh, really helping work with her uh, on trying to get a quail. And, and, you know, when Bella would go on point, uh, we'd get up, I'd walk one side of her, get her to walk on the other side, and uh, uh, we'd try and get those birds. Uh, didn't get any, but uh, it was definitely a, a fun morning. Yeah, because, I mean, it was, so that was the first day I got, kind of breezy on us too was was saturday morning and because i know i went with alexa and we drove out of camp but we had gone up higher we had gotten into some so camp was kind of right on the edge between some juniper country and a little bit more open terrain and uh so we went up the up the road a little bit and the first likely spot quote unquote uh but we got out and walking around weren't we weren't hearing any birds uh, it was pretty heavy juniper, and of course, with, with like I said, with Boone, he's working a lot tighter, so uh, it didn't look look as likely to me. Although I guess folks did find birds in there. Um, I know Pat hunted relatively nearby, and I think he got into some uh, with hit with his hunter. And I'm not sure who was with him, but then we ended up going back downhill a bit more. We we dropped about 500, 700 feet, something like that. It seemed like um, probably wasn't that that drastic, but it seemed like that got out of those junipers and you know we were on birds actually i take that back we weren't on birds automatically we had to do we did a lot of walking um kicking up more jackrabbits than anything else and we're actually walking back to the truck and remember i uh you know i was thinking all right we got i'm trying to figure out like what plan b was trying to remember everything in my head and we get about a quarter mile from the truck and we walk right over a covey um they were like oh. 20, yeah 20 yards out you know when you know out into the out into the wind and so all right, game on, and we nice. turned, yeah we turned around and 
uh, you know, started working some because uh, what well we thought was twenty that turned out to be like fifty, and they had broken off. So twenty had one gone one way, and like thirty had gone another. So we wow. went. Yeah, yeah. So it was which is kind of what we have to do for with Boone is you know breaking breaking those cubbies up just because we have to get so close and uh, but yeah we ended up getting some shots and um, unfortunately uh, we didn't hit any on that but uh, no it was a lot of fun I mean I think I think seeing those birds and just how quickly I think it was kind of an eye opener was uh, you know how quickly <laughs> right. it, yeah this isn't trap you know that you don't have you know three four seconds to get a shot off it's it's throw it up and touch her off because they're out of here. <laughs> they right. ain't. They ain't gonna stick around. But definitely. Oh yeah, but I think uh, you know. I think she had a lot of fun and uh, learned a lot. And we were talking about different terrain and um, you know what kind of look for. You know, with that high wind, you know, we're kind of working more of the the bottoms. You know, trying to hit these little fingers that we're gonna block the wind and uh, and then you know i've been telling her all this and it turns out they were sitting just over the crest of a ridge underneath the big uh chaparral big uh, uh pinion but mm. yeah just to go to show you whatever you say those birds are going to make a liar out of you one way or the other <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see him or did you see him on the ground or running uh after the initial flush we did so we ended up losing the first bunch went back and picked up the second bunch and we started we could see them were coming downhill and uh, we could see him running down below and, you know, trying to cut him off and getting, you know, working Boone back into a decent wind where he was going to be able to, to pick him up. And uh, he got into a bunch, um, put him up, and then so that was their second flush. And then uh, we've always figured, you know, three flush and we're done. Um, we don't want to, especially when it's that cold, you know, we're, we don't want to run right into the ground. And, right. Uh, so we ended up putting up that, that second bunch. And they busted wild. Uh, I think they saw us coming just as much as we could see them. And uh, they actually went right back to the same wash we had just come out of that was empty. So we we, we watched them drop right in this big oak brush and uh, sent a, uh, we get over there and uh, sent Alexa right underneath the birds and Boone. You know he didn't want to jump into all that thorns. I can't really say I blamed him, but I was pretty <laughs> yeah I was pretty proud. We got into a good wind and he could smell the birds. He's trying to find them, trying to find them and. And then I found a gap in the brush kind of uphill, so I called him to me, put my hand in, said, Boone, get after it. And, he, you know, he jumped right in, and next thing you know, just, here they come. Oh. And, uh, you know, bang, bang, and, you know, they all, not a feather was touched, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah, we wound up getting back to the truck after that and then meeting up. Because actually, yeah, because we were getting for Saturday afternoon, right? We got together and had, uh, well, EJ that was when EJ did his Greasewood, his uh, rabbit hunt stories, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. well, actually, at lunch, I think he did it in the morning. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he did in the morning. And in lunch, we had uh, Aaron uh, Brown from, uh, Officer Aaron Brown from Game and Fish. That's right, that's right. Talking about the North American model and um, of conservation, so that was really... Uh, that was nice. It was good, also to have a female, because uh, you know I, I was trying to get more female mentors, uh, um, but didn't really succeed. But it was nice having Aaron there, female officer, uh, and and also some of the questions too. I thought were really interesting, <laughs> and her talking about you know different examples of 
of issues she's had with people and citations and um, said, I forget how many years she's worked, but has only had to pull her gun once. So um, that's, that's reassuring. And uh, I think uh, it was really windy, you know, so it was hard to <laughs> hear sometimes, but uh, I think it was a, a good, good way to go. And also really liked kind of how she, she heard she was more familiar with uh, big game and Jonathan Odell uh, was there from Arizona Game and Fish and he's really a uh, small game uh, expert and so it was really interesting to see how they you know how how the different approaches to managing big game and small game and actually Jonathan said you know it's not really managing the small game it's kind of managing you hunters and your expectations <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean that's well, you know, having Odell in camp is always. Well, that's the first time I've ever been in camp with Odell, with John, but uh, I met him before, and it's always it's always entertaining when he's around. That's for sure. Just the way just the way he words things. But yeah, and he's just so knowledgeable. Oh my gosh, just amazing. Whether it's cooking or you know showing us kind of how to age some of those birds. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to do that. And a couple of those birds I thought were older and, you know, but they were this year's birds. They were early, probably born early in the season. But, uh, you know, I, he's just so knowledgeable in his cooking skills. Oh, my gosh. That's so amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to talk about his cooking because he did give a uh, cooking demonstration that evening. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we did that. And then... You know, everybody kind of Frembright a bunch of kids, or I keep saying kids because they're younger than me. I'm sorry about that. If, if anybody's getting upset with me at NAU, but uh, uh, a bunch of folks were starting to lose their tents because of the winds. Remember, a lot of a lot of folks were trying to batten down the hatches and right and get things kind of squared away again. But uh, uh, yeah, that we broke up into the afternoon hunt. You know, we did the same thing. We did the round robin, um, pulling names out of a hat, and I got. Uh, Marissa, I got Marissa's name that time, and which I thought was really cool because she was a fellow New Yorker. So, oh right, yeah, right. yeah, she's from Long Island, which you know I I grew up a long ways from Long Island, but it was still pretty cool having two, you know, two New Yorkers hunting together in Arizona. I thought that was pretty awesome, and um, we ended up getting on some birds, but I think she really liked it because uh, right off the bat we found two mule deer sheds. Uh, oh yeah, I, I just saw your pictures of the of that. Oh yeah, yeah, I did Instagram. throw them. Yeah, yeah. Um, just put them on the uh, the Valley of the Sun chapter Quail Forever page, or not the Quail cool. Forever, uh, the uh, Instagram page. But uh, yeah, we ended up getting in some birds, and it was, it was much the same story as hunting with Alexa. Um, burned a lot of powder. Uh, I mean, definitely got to thank Boss Ammo for uh, for their donations. <laughs> Because we oh, burned yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, uh, I think, I mean, a couple of things. I really was hoping Marissa would get one. I mean, I was hoping everybody would. But, and you know, it was interesting. We, uh, out at the shooting range, you know, we we had the participants try different, uh, different uh, shotguns and kind of to see what worked for each of them and, 
and I think she might have started out with my 20 gauge semi-automatic and and uh, wasn't hitting much and I said well you know it's you know 20 gauge remember what I said it's got fewer fewer pellets in there which means you know it's not quite as easy and and she, and she said well let me try 12 gauge and I said here try my I had my Winchester uh, over under and and she just started hitting those clays like nothing. <laughs> um, it, I mean, she hit the majority of them. Uh, so I was really, and I think she kept using that that uh, that gun throughout the weekend. And uh, so I was really hoping that she'd get one, especially you know she really did really well at the at the shooting range. Yeah, well, I can't. I definitely can't say it was for lack of trying. And and, and you know there was some. I think there was some feathers pulled, but. Uh, we ended up getting into some a little bit thicker brush, and you know it was. I thought it was more reminiscent to like northeastern partridge hunting or grouse hunting. You know, it was a lot of, uh, you know, shots. You know, they started out close, but they quickly put stuff between you and them, and <laughs> right. you know, so the yeah, so the shot opportunities were, you had a half a second at decent range and then at, you wouldn't see them again until they were 50 60 yards out you know and, and that's a poke with a shotgun yeah definitely yeah, yeah so that's uh i definitely i definitely can't say it was for lack of trying but um yeah right. no that the I, that I the rain hit the, the, go ahead no no i'm just saying that's and that's uh when the rain hit uh saturday evening we had just gotten into birds when the rain started and uh you know that in the wind and so there was a there was a few different factors, and I think that wind gave those birds a little afterburners, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Definitely. If they got up, they're into the wind, for sure, or with the wind. Oh, yeah. Sure. But, but I think, you know, you mentioned those long-range shots, and I've just started using Boss shot shells. I bought a, a few boxes recently, and uh, um, I'm really excited about getting out and using them more because uh, I hear they're super effective, and, you know, they're – non-lead, uh, they're bismuth, uh, copper-plated bismuth, and they're just supposed to be super deadly. So really excited about uh, getting out and using them. I'm actually going to head down uh, down near Wilcox with my dad uh, uh, Wednesday, and we'll be hunting down there for a few days. So I'm excited about using them. But it was great to partner with Boss and uh, – and, uh, they gave us uh, a couple hundred shells, 20 and 12 gauge and uh, seven shot. And uh, um, it's really, you know, I think one of the things, and we talked about this with Aaron Brown uh, as well, is is really moving away from uh, lead ammo, uh, whether it's big game or, or even small game. I mean, a lot of people go, well, why would you use that non-lead non for small game? And well, you know, a jackrabbit and a gut pile and a, uh, a uh, I don't know, let's say a red-tailed hawk gets into it or, uh, you know, you wound a quail and a hawk gets into that, that's going to give that, uh, probably give that that uh, hawk uh, uh, lead poisoning. So I think, and then, you know, we all know about the condors, so, and there are problems with, with lead, so we'll... Uh, keep promoting that and so it was great having boss involved we're going to actually 
the NAU Collegiate BHA Collegiate Club is is hosting Chris Parrish, who uh, is in Flagstaff here, but works for the Peregrine Fund. Uh, he's I think he's in charge of the Arizona Condors. Uh, just a, a great guy, uh, and he's going to do a uh, virtual pint night on December 18th, I think. Uh, and kind of focus on on non-lead and ask you know ask questions. I've, I got my first big game uh, recently, first, second, and third big game, and I uh, used copper bullets, and they did a lot of damage. When I was in the store buying them, uh, some guy said, "Oh, those don't work at all," and uh, <laughs> they sure worked for me. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a convert. Yeah, I know a lot of folks have been going. Um, you know, of course, everybody in California has been going that way because you can't do anything else. But right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I've been. I'll admit, I kind of fought it at first. Uh, you know, I grew up kind of more blue collar, and you know, what didn't want to spend more for my ammo, and um, you know, and you know, when I was first getting into it, cause I've been hunting all my life, but when I was first getting into the non, the non tox kind of stuff, you know, it was steel and steel didn't have, and you know, in some realms still doesn't have a great reputation, but, uh, right. You know, and now that these newer loads coming out, I think a lot of those bugs have been worked out both in the shotgun and rifle worlds. And nowadays, I don't know, like I've been, so this is my first year shooting boss. Um, I've been shooting them, well, actually, I bought my first case. I've got the a case of the uh, uh, twenty gauge sevens, and I've been. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's. I actually texted boss, um, asking him for a different load because it, you know, at times it felt like I was hitting a nail with a sledgehammer, kind of thing. Because it's they are a bit of a stouter load. I mean, I think I think for longer range range quail, I, personally, I think those twenty gauge sevens are be a fine duck load out to about you know thirty yards or so. That's what I've heard. I was wondering maybe opening up the choke a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I hear that's, I mean, I, I think Bird, uh, what is it, Bird, Tyler Webster, Birds, Booze, and Buds yep. uh, podcast uh, interviewed uh, Boss. It was just a great, and they really talked about how, how it's really a tight pattern. And so maybe, you know, opening up that choke a little bit might... Uh, might keep it from kind of blasting your birds yeah that's a good idea because i mean i've been shooting the you know my standard uh you know improved cylinder modified combo and i hit a quail that that bird couldn't have been 15 yards from me uh saturday morning i you know we put up a quail and you know shoulder the gun bang and we got up and it looked like i hit it with a sledgehammer it was just oh. yeah yeah it was that was the first quail this year I've been finding shot in, so that was definitely it. It caught a load, um, and uh, you know I was kind of joking around, or not joking. I I was serious when I texted him, but or DM'd him on Instagram. But you know, kind of a hey, you know, I'd I think this load would be pretty devastating with number nines, let alone sevens. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they want me to say it on podcast or not, but I'm gonna. But I guess there is that load coming out next year, uh, twenty gauge nines. So oh, cool. I'll be the first one in line to buy them. That's for sure for nice. for these little gambles because I, f- I still feel like I, they're, we're swatting them hard. But I've been loving the boss shells and um, you know, when I shot the the not the heavy shot, I could never afford it, but the heavy metals like the half 
non-lead half steel. Uh-huh. And uh, I shot ducks and geese with those back in New York all the time. And, um, man, it was – you didn't have to worry about a follow-up shot because they were going to hit the water dead every time. It was if well, you if you hit them they were going down. I've really really enjoyed those shells and uh, I think Boss has just taken it a step further and made it you know so folks hitting you know I can actually afford that kind of stuff and uh, but uh, yeah it is a bit more expensive but you know I don't know I think about the resource and um, exactly yeah yeah I mean we kind of. We kind of owe it to the birds, and and not just the birds, but the non-games too. Because I mean, like you said, it's it's not so much because you're with your examples. You know, we're not worried about taking the quail home because I mean, we're going to clean it out. And but it's that leftovers. It's you know protecting those species that we're not going for, like our raptors. You know, our raptors right. have already taken a wicked hit. Uh, you know, back in the '70s, and we're not helping them at all with the, using lead ammo. Um, because I mean, through my work, I have transported lead poisoned bald eagles before, and it's not a it's not a pretty oh. sight at all. Mm. Um, and I hope I never see one again. To tell you the truth, not bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think about it like Yuma. I've gone to Yuma a few times for opening of dove, and you know, you're out in these pivots or wherever, and uh, you know, there's so much lead ammo being slung around there. And then the next day, the hawks are circling and and you're just thinking, oh dang, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. that's and that's one thing I I can say though, um, or I had to admit though, is I haven't used boss on doves. Um, yeah, I was thinking that. What am I going to use for dove? I don't know. Yeah, I, I th- know what what Cra- Mike Cravens used. I'll have to find out if I be used as steel or what. But yeah, I mean, even them were were those were kind of hard to find this year. You know, kind of with with COVID, it was kind of you bought what you got kind of thing right, bought what you could find and uh but i think tyler was on i was listening to his podcast and i think they were shooting doves with uh well, i think he was shooting a 28 gauge so i feel a little bit better about a 28 with those versus a 20 with uh on doves you know interesting yeah cool. and, and then i'm interested i don't know if he's hunted with them yet or if he shot birds i'll have to ask him but uh uh pat um, Pat Moore, we were talking about earlier. I know he's got a. He bought a bulk pack of the four tens. Oh, nice. Yeah, for hunting quail over his dogs, and I'm really interested. So, Pat, if you listen to this podcast, text me with how they did, because <laughs> I'm curious. Cause I haven't talked to you about them yet. Yeah, that'll be interesting to hear. Yeah, um, you know, and kind of if Boss hears this, kind of wink, wink. You know, I can do some. We can do. We can test out some shells wicked on some of these uh, Arizona birds. There you go. But uh, yes, we should go back to the event though. Um, yeah. You know what? It just occurred to me. We never actually said what the name of this uh, this event even was. Oh yeah, it's it's called Hunting for Sustainability, and the National BHA um, has run these or you know chapters, but it's kind of organized initially organized by the. Uh, the national organization and then uh, local state chapters uh, actually run them. I think Colorado's done done a couple. I think uh, maybe Montana might have done a couple. Uh, they were going to do a turkey one this this spring, but because uh, of COVID, they just uh, put it online with Modern Carnivore. 
so that was, you know, and I actually joined, uh, I think that was through the Minnesota BHA or maybe University of Minnesota uh, Collegiate Club. But uh, so it's, it's a kind of national program. It's uh, an R3 recruitment, retention, reactivation program to get new, new hunters and inexperienced hunters really on board. Most of the, besides the turkey one, I think most of the others have been big game. And so, uh, you know, and I, I think I saw a video on, on the, one of the Colorado ones and look great, but you know, you really only have one person hunting uh, and everybody else is, you know, a lot of it was butchering and cooking and, and prep and gun safety and, you know, a lot of the other same themes, like, you know, the mission, the BHA and ethics and fair chase and all those kinds of things. But, you know, I think this was nice because everybody had an opportunity, especially there were so many quail, everybody had an opportunity to, to get something. Not everybody did, but, you know, <laughs> it was there and they were holding guns and, and trying. So I think, you know, focusing on Upland was really a nice, made it a nice option. Yeah, no, I fully agree, and you know that's it, and it would be one thing about you know the guys doing this in Montana and Colorado, and I think it's a I think it's a great program, but at least those states are OTC, you right. know, and you know we're, you know, Arizona has OTC big game opportunities, but you know they're definitely they're, more challenging hunts and they're very limited on game scope, you know what you can pursue and right, but uh, no, so. so I think- so it's a good, a really good program, and uh, I'm, you know, I was really happy how it, how it kind of, how we worked through it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, and like you said, I think you, you guys couldn't have picked a better time to do it. Um, so was this the first event, the first hunting for sustainability event in Arizona? Um, yes. So you guys really yeah, couldn't we're have gonna, We're going to do it again next year, so... You know, maybe towards the end of the, when we're done here, or towards the end, you know, if there's things you think of that can improve. I just emailed the R3 coordinator at BHA to, or a couple, no, maybe yesterday, just, you know, have them survey all the participants and all the mentors to, you know, ask, try and get some feedback so, so that we can continue to improve on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I might have added or changed, and this was something we talked about at our QF event this past weekend, was maybe doing something more like a, instead of just talking about how to work a bird on point, um, maybe we could have, uh, you know, gotten some training birds and, you know, planted a bird and kind of did a live demo on, you know, your birds on, you know, your dog's on point and then showing you know how to safely go in and and work that point and uh honor the point and you know proceed from there on you know putting the birds up and you know making sure you're taking a safe shot and with a dog in mind and um yeah that would be great we you know pat and i initially talked about doing that but i i tend to do too many things (laughs) and you know, when I was a professor, students, you know, and I did a lot of field stuff, students, I drive students crazy because I just tried to pack so much in. So I really tried to back off a little bit and 
and we initially thought about it for Friday evening, you know, but obviously we, I mean, we didn't even get to camp till after dark, which wasn't in the plans, but, um, it's all good. Right. Right. I mean, it's the way it goes sometimes, but yeah, but I think that would be good. You know, we could do that, you know, Saturday morning. I also think maybe having the shooting range on a separate weekend, uh, separate Saturday afternoon or something might make it a little bit easier for folks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a good one you know, do it the week, uh, the weekend before, and then, you know, take that time Friday to, to get to camp and, you know, get everybody's gear set up. And, um, uh, I can't say it would remove a rush cause I feel like there wasn't really a rush there, but I also wasn't at the shooting component. So I don't know what the, what the atmosphere was there, but, um, you know, maybe, you know, everybody getting camp and, you know, making sure to give them that buffer time to, to set their tents up and get fed and that kind of stuff, you know, with daylight. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so going back to the event. So Saturday, you know, we did the hunt uh, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and then Saturday night, uh, that was the night that John did his demonstration. Yeah. His, uh, his cooking demo. Well, And we had a little mini concert with ej there right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he got to show us uh uh his guitar playing skills and then that was a lot of fun and uh it always it always kind of livens up camp you know when the guitars come out so definitely enjoyed that portion and um but yeah so john uh i kind of feel like we're just name dropping at this point but you know this is how it was but uh yeah so John, 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 I'll keep saying his name. Maybe he'll pop up one of these days, but um, kind of like Beetlejuice. But, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, do you remember if there was a name for that recipe that he made? Yeah, there was, but I don't remember what it was. It was something like, uh, um, oh, gosh, I forget. And he called it different things. He, when I first asked him, he said it was one thing, and then later he called it something else. So. But I just, I just emailed him this morning and asked him if uh, if he has that recipe uh, written out already to get it to me. Uh, so I think that would be great. But it was it was tasty. Yeah, it was. And it was so entertaining. He's such an entertaining. I mean, he was kind of theatrical and you know about getting the fat going and angry and bacon. He, he was using duck fat and, uh, and uh, you know, don't want it sizzling an angry sizzle or you want it just a nice sizzle and not a limp no sizzle, you know, when you put that <laughs> coil in there. So I uh, just I got a few pictures of that and I thought it was kind of funny. I was showing my wife and she's like, what is he doing? And I think that was the time he was kind of talking about the, the angry sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want angry bacon. You want a happy bacon, right. or at least the, the the happy bacon equivalent to quail. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. I learned a lot, and you know, watching them cook, and but yeah, I'd be pretty interested in knowing what that the name of that was because uh, I I remember the recipe. I remember he doesn't really cook with you know measurements or anything like that. But I remember it was like you, like you said, it was duck fat. You know, just store bought duck fat. Um, 
putting the quail in and getting that uh he had a special name for that you know when the meat starts to turn brown and it gets that good flavor that good grilled flavor to it right but it was like that was it chicken broth yeah and some uh, garlic garlic some... thyme heavy cream chili oh chili uh dried tomatoes sun-dried tomatoes Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then, uh, if you remember, he wanted to use Parmesan, but we didn't have any Parmesan camp, so we used, was it Swiss? I think whatever. I don't remember what kind of cheese it was, but sure tasty. It was white cheese. I remember that much. I don't think yeah, it was mozzarella. I think he, I think he might have used Swiss, and he kind of, like, uh, you know, cut the slices into, like, strips, and then, like, mm-hmm. laid it in there to, like, kind of really thicken it up and make it a cream. So, I, I don't know. Whatever he did, it was... It was pretty damn good. Yeah, and we only got the dregs. All the <laughs> participants got the got a breast or half a breast out of there. Yeah, although I I gotta say I felt pretty bad because John handed me a taster, a spoon, you know, with some with some uh, uh, meat and sauce on it, and and I gave it to EJ, and uh, you know, and it had a pretty good kick to it, and you know, he took a a, a bite, and I didn't know it had a kick at the point. But he took a bite and he started coughing and hacking and said, "Oh crap! I just killed EJ." Funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, then I've got it and you know, took a bite. Oh yeah, that's all right. Then I felt I felt bad for giving it to him. I didn't realize it had that it was going to have that much of a you know slap you in the face component to it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it was very good food and you know. Uh, yeah, and just the smells coming when he was preparing it. Oh my god, he dropped the chili in the oil. And, oh, whoa, yeah. it was almost instantaneous, you know, with all that wind we were having kind of under that canopy we had and Yeah, yeah. I remember you were uh you were down when I was up when I was getting a little like every time it would swirl a little bit, I get a little bit, but nothing, you know, nothing like the uh the amount of smell that you guys were getting off of that. So, I was pretty jealous at that point where you guys were under that canopy. Yeah, that was perfect. For sure. <laughs> for sure yeah i think uh she's just such an amazing cook and so knowledgeable about so many things that um it was great having him in camp for sure you know we forgot to mention we did on saturday before it got dark as wade zarlingo brought his uh his yamas yeah yeah i did i knew i was forgetting something i can't remember i forgot the llamas <laughs> yeah, so that was really, I thought that was a special treat, you know. The the quail were so heavy to have, have those yamas to help pack them out. That was really, <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, we need, definitely need to pack a, a, one of those just for packing all the, all the dead birds out of there, all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was great, I mean. Wade initially, when I had invited him, and because I, I knew I was pretty sure he lived in near there. I think he lives in Cornville or Cottonwood, somewhere around there. And yep. I was really, uh, I thought, oh, it'd be great to have him. And he said, oh, I could bring my yamas. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you had yamas. And uh, and uh, and he said, yeah, you could show him how how to how to take care of them and how to how to set them up to, you know, on a, on a big game hunt to, to pack uh, in gear and to pack out elk and stuff like that. So it was really good. And he had initially, he had emailed me and said, uh, Oh, and if you want, you know, 
you can, uh, you know, if you want to exercise them, feel free to exercise them and, you know, maybe take them on a hunt. And I'm, or I don't, he didn't even say maybe take them on a hunt. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to use them for my elk hunt. And he goes, well, I meant, you know, kind of get them some exercise. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe, but I don't know. I don't think I'd trust myself uh, taking them. I wouldn't. I mean, I I could do it, but I think uh, I would, you know, it's so much to focus on. I'd rather just focus on the hunt rather than on dealing with some yamas, even though they seem fairly easy to to work with. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were pretty laid back, uh, you know, and that was the first time I'd ever been around them, you know, outside of a petting zoo kind of set up. But, no, it was pretty cool, and, you know, they each had their own little, their little packs for, uh, you know, their own little pack saddles for their panniers. And, uh, you know, he's got, you know, you know that packing is a whole science unto itself, you know, making sure your loads are even and, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, you're not going to fight the load the whole way up the trail. It's not going to sag to one side. And, you know, he's got it figured out. And, but they're just so, they're just so laid back. You know, it's not like having heavy stock, you know, like mules or horses and uh, it doesn't take the skill level and, and like he mentioned, I mean, they can live on scenery. Like it only takes what is it? It takes about uh, things. He said a pound and a half a feed a day. I couldn't believe how little they eat. Yeah, it was amazing and drink. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're pretty. But I mean, they're pretty. Uh, uh, well, they live, you know, high in the Andes, right? And it's probably pretty low uh, water levels. I've never been in South America, but I don't know if you can speak to that or like water yeah, levels. Yeah, I up mean there. they. They're mostly in fairly high altitude. Uh, prehistorically, they also had them along the coast, but today you don't see them along the coast. Right. Uh, really up up in the Andes. But, uh, no, yeah, that was pretty – I thought it was pretty awesome to see them, and I think everybody got a pretty good kick out of it, you know, seeing them jump right up in the back of that truck. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, Uno is being pretty – there oh yeah he was being pretty obstinate then you know every time he'd he'd load him up and you know he tried to bring a i forget what the other llama's name was but you know he'd load up yeah he'd load up uno and uh you get in the bed of that truck so he just got a pretty much a just a tall headache rack that he they just he just ties him off the, the front of the bar and and that's that they just ride back there and away they go but, i know uh, it's so it's so easy it's amazing but uh, I thought it was pretty funny when uh, when Uno would jump up, and, you know, he instantly go sideways, so the other one can't get in beside him. And then, uh, of course, I'm just sitting there laughing because it reminds me of um, what we were talking about uh, uh, Jesse earlier, and it reminds me of one of her horses likes to do that too. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, I was just uh, getting flashbacks every time that would happen, and um, I know everybody's picking on me, but that's why I, you know, he finally got them both in there, and I shut the doors behind him and. Everybody was picking on me for like trapping weight in the in the truck and said, like, "No, so that, we got a horse that if he, you know, you leave that door open, he's he ain't staying. He's coming right back out again." So, but you know, like they don't have the temperament of a horse. They don't, you know, you can walk behind them. You got to worry about you know getting kicked or bit or nothing like that. When so definitely a a, a very cool tool to for getting gear in and hopefully meet out. But. uh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't remember, uh, believe I forgot to, to talk about Wade. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, he's such a good guy too. So sincere and humble, and again, very knowledgeable. 
I, I wish I would have. That's one thing. I wish I would have had him talk um, to the group about what he does because he works with uh, kind of landowner relationships. So he works with a lot of ranches and things like that um, for Arizona Game and Fish. I think that would have been informative. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that for a little bit about um, you know doing kind of mutually beneficial like fencing and, and water projects you know with the landowners in the Kingman area and it sounded like really cool and really important work you know to to really benefit Arizona wildlife for sure for sure and access and all that you know it's it's a good thing yeah yeah I mean especially you know well especially with with you and you know I'm a member as well of BHA you know making sure that you know we have those public lands and not just having the lands but access to them you know making sure that we can actually utilize those lands and you know it's and everybody can enjoy them you know not just you know consumptive users like like hunters and anglers but you know the non-consumptive the backpackers the photographers the birders yeah everybody can benefit for sure but uh yeah so after saturday you know we all kind of spent a nice chilly night in camp because I remember the temps finally really dropped then, and then you know we did one more hunt Sunday morning, and um, uh, I got Joe. Uh, Joe came out with me and Boone. We did one last hunt, and I know that was the day we really got into the birds. Um, we picked a different spot, and uh, it was okay. It was kind of funny because after we went back to camp uh, after our hunt, we got talked with Wade. And, uh, of course, you know, he lives in the area, so he knew exactly where we were, and I think I was pretty much just giving him waypoints or updates for how those coveys were doing <laughs> at that point. But uh, Funny. But, uh, yeah, we were able to, to pull four out, and, you know, Boone did fantastic. He was tired, um, tired and stiff-legged. And, but, uh, yeah, we were able to pull, pull four and bring him back to camp and, you know, had a really, really good day. And, um, and I think uh, that might have stoked the fire in Joe because – he came to our Quail Forever event this past weekend as well. Oh, good. Good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we got him on to his, a couple more birds uh, up there. And, uh, but that was really cool seeing that, you know, I think it, I think it was successful in stoking a fire and everybody that was there because everybody got to see and, and learn. And, but it was mm-hmm. really cool seeing him, you know, kind of come back for more. That we didn't scare him off kind of thing. So. That's great. Yeah, the guy I worked with, John Drummond, uh, the brewer, uh, he uh, he emailed me yesterday and said, "Oh, I'm hooked. I got I bought a shotgun." That's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's roaring to go, and and we, you know, he he got a I think he got a shot or two off, um, but we didn't get any. You know, we found some cubbies, but we were having trouble relocating them. You know that wind and we also the wind direction was not really good wind direction wasn't really good for bella my dog and um yeah they were getting wind washed wicked we had one covey bust uh wild or actually bella might have busted it and uh and flew right over us to where uh you know we had just gone so we kind of turned back but you know now we were facing we were walking with the wind um so really didn't 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 do well uh we found another covey pretty big covey uh, near a tank and uh and that's where we initially were going and we saw him running along the ground 
uh, Bella did a good job pointing and, and, uh, but then they, you know, they were running and, uh, then busted wild and we, we just couldn't relocate them, which seemed odd because Bella has really good nose and usually she's pretty good at finding those, but you know, I don't know, maybe they were running or got up into, in the area that, uh, we didn't get to and it's kind of the problem with having just one dog is it's nice to cover even more ground with a couple dogs but uh uh he it's great to see that you know and he did get a couple of see some really nice points out of bella and uh it's nice to get that email this morning to see that he's uh that he's hooked yeah yeah and that was yeah and we i mean we ran into the same issues uh, you know, on a couple of coveys that we ran into on Sunday where just they were gone. You know, we had one, uh, I hit one male gambles. I could see the top knot pretty well, and I knew it was a male. And, you know, I shot and I watched him tumble. And, uh, you know, we were on him pretty quickly and never found that bird. I, mean, I think we spent, you know, five, six minutes working around. You know, there's only a handful of trees in the area, so we're looking under every one, every uh cracking the rocks uh set set yeah set boone in a few times you know kept bringing him a good wind and you know having him look and look and look and you know the dog's not finding it and just hit the ground running he must have just gotten behind that tree and you know skedaddled and just never got out of him i felt pretty bad we couldn't find that bird but you know i hate that I hate that. Yeah, cause, I mean, I, I mean, at least it wasn't lead. But I can't, I can't say that, but I still don't want to put something in in any any animal if I can't get it back. So I know, I know, it's it's hard, but gosh, yeah, and I think that's really, you know, having good ammo is so important because I think you lose fewer, you know, you're not wounding the bird; it lands and then runs off or whatever. You know, you're, you're generally killing it. Right. Know, yeah yeah and i would agree fully with that you know having a good good ammo definitely it really does bring home more just because you're not crippling as many mm-hmm. you know it's less getting shot at you know because you know some guys uh you know they'll put some in the dirt but they can't find them but that bird doesn't go in their bag count you know so you know right. say they're duck hunting you know they're you know they might go home with six birds but they might have put down seven or eight they don't count mm-hmm. that one or two towards their bag, so right. it definitely. Also, having good dogs. I mean, I some yeah. of the some of the birds I've hit, I think I never would have found it. You know, it's really the dog that does such a good job finding those birds. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, marks. You know, it's like I knew it went right in this bush, and and your dog's like over ten yards and picks <laughs> up the bird, and he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're phenomenal for that. I mean, uh, you know, just being the proud dad, I'll keep talking about Boone, but no, he did that to me uh, twice this past Saturday where, you know, I hit birds and, you know, I thought I had a mark, you know, that's in this patch of prickly pear. And, you know, I'm going and you know, I'm trying to look in the pear and I'm looking in the pear and there's nothing there. And, and then uh, the first one, Joe was above me and uh, he said, well, Boone's got it. And I looked up and, you know, like you said, Boone's about five six yards in front of me well outside the prickly pear and you know he's got the bird you know so i wasn't even i was on the right line but i wasn't even close to being a good mark and i never left left my let my eyes move after i marked him so even goes to show you you know good mark still 
is wrong, can be wrong. You know, especially Crazy. in this wide open country here in Arizona. But uh mm-hmm. you know, yeah, having good dogs and um you know, yeah, I keep, I've taken shots I didn't even know I I'd like Oh, I missed, and then you know Bella comes back with the bird in her mouth, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it just can't believe it. You know, it's weird. You think you'd know you hit, hit the bird, or sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I'm not quite sure, and then Bella comes running back with the bird in her mouth. It's great. So I, I do I do feel bad. We keep talking about Bella, uh, but we never actually introduced Bella. Oh yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, about Miss Bella? Yeah, Bella's uh, two and a half years old. I got her uh, uh, Von Wimp Von Swept kennels out of uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. One of my first, well, maybe my maybe third hunt, but my first second dozen hunt. I was on South Dakota with a friend and hunting over German wire hairs and. Uh, I just loved them, and so uh, you know they did did great. And I thought, oh, and came home, and and uh, my wife goes, "You want a bird dog, right?" I went, "What? <laughs> How do you know?" <laughs> she just knew that you know I, I must have talked about how much fun I was having with them or something. You know, my son has a has a bird dog. My dad does, but uh, uh, so I kind of searched around and I was retiring that summer and so it was kind of perfect timing and I thought oh I could I could uh, work a dog and train it you know I'll be retired so looking for something that's gonna uh, whelp around when I was gonna be retiring and uh, it wasn't much available in some places you know they were like had waiting lists that were two years out and stuff. I just really kind of blew me away. And uh, so found this, this kennel, uh, bomb windswept and, uh, and kind of checked into it. And then I thought, well, why don't I talk to the guy that I hunted with and, and with those wire hairs and, and see where he got his, cause he was from South Dakota. And he said, that's the same kennel. I'm like, Oh, coincidence. sold. <laughs> and so I put in and, uh, and uh, uh, I was like one of the last females. I, I wanted a female. I would take a male, but wanted the female, and uh, put my deposit down. And and actually, Bella was the last female. She actually had to be given mouth to mouth to to make it. So it was you know pretty pretty special. Uh, picked her up. Uh, she's a slick coat, so she doesn't even look. She looks more like a German short hair pointer. Uh, you know, everybody says, no, she's not a wire hair. She's got a couple whiskers, but, you know, I got the papers. So uh, it's just, uh, and it actually works really well in the hotter climate in Arizona. I think it, I wouldn't really want a real thick coated dog. Yeah, I can definitely speak to experience that it's rough. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Labs, for sure. My dad's lab. Yeah. it's. Uh, but, yeah, so um, I worked with a couple different trainers, a friend of my son and a guy in Chino Valley. Uh, really helped out a lot. So, uh, And then 
you know, he said for her first season, he, I said, well, what should I do? And he said, just, you know, hunt the heck out of her. And uh, that's what I did. I was retired. And so uh, I really, you know, put her on lots of different birds in lots of different environments. And, uh, you know, again, proud father, uh, <laughs> really enjoy her nose. She seems to have a great nose and uh, a lot of drive and uh and a great indoor dog as well too yeah i mean just the short meeting i had with her was uh i think she's a pretty awesome little pup but uh yeah. i gotta admit i didn't know she was a wire hair i thought yeah, no you wouldn't think so at all I no mean, it totally looks like it's short hair oh yeah yeah i was like man there's a lot of gsps I, I stopped, in camp i stopped correcting people say, oh nice short hair i've got a short hair and i go oh, yeah yeah great <laughs> it's just whatever right yeah, actually, probably should mention that you know it wasn't just you know our two, uh, our two pups in camp. We had well, we had uh, well Bella and Boone, uh, Mike, um, Mike Cravens has uh, was it Edward right? Was his GSP's Edward? Yeah. So after Ed Abbey, yeah, after Edward Abbey, and then we had well, we got Pat's two two Britneys, Smoke and Mick, Smokey and Mick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Archer, was that, uh, Archer, yeah, yep. Justin Nelson's, uh, dog, mm-hmm. and then, uh, um, let's see, Wade had Shiloh, and I don't remember his new puppy's name. Yeah, those are the two I don't think I ever met. I saw them, I saw them, but I never got to meet them. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen Shiloh on TV. Oh yeah, he's um, the famous you know, one. <laughs> Randy Newberg and yeah, it was nice that he could make his time for uh, for us uh, non-celebrity hunters. <laughs> I know, <laughs> the good guy for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, I get a. That was the first time I'd ever officially met Wade, and I thought, you know, he's a, you know, like he, just like John, you know, he's worked for Fishing Game. He's a wealth of knowledge, but he's just a great down to earth you know just you know he's a fantastic hunter so uh yeah. he's definitely a good one to to know and and definitely a uh a friendship i i, I hope to foster and you know grow a little bit because he's he's pretty awesome definitely of course i hope that i hope to do that with all you guys good guy. yeah i think that's you know really the the best part of the the workshop or the friendships that were made and connections made and and uh just you know meeting new people new dogs you know the hard part was you know i didn't get to hunt with boone i didn't get to hunt with with mick and Smokey. i'd never hunted with uh britney's i loved to although we were hunting and i see this flash across i'm like oh another dog there's a britney pat must be around somewhere it wasn't very <laughs> close though <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We we had that uh, yesterday. Actually, was we were uh, getting back to the truck, and so uh, me and Joe and a, and a couple other members of QF had parked our trucks in one spot, and then Pat and a few other hunters had gone further. I mean, we could see their truck, but you know, it was it was about a rifle shot away. You know, that, I don't know how far away they were, but I wouldn't want to shoot that much further. But uh, you know, they had gone over there and. 
and I know they weren't back to the truck yet, because we had just seen them coming down this far ridge, and we're almost back to the truck, and next thing I know, here comes Mick, just running right past us. Like, man, that that <laughs> dog will cover some ground. Definitely. That's good. I Yeah, those Britneys, I'd love to hunt over some Britneys sometimes. We'll have to, have to get together. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I know, so I've only hunted over Mick a few times, so I went with Pat to nebraska this past year and we were hunting oh um, yeah yeah we were hunting sharp tails up up in nebraska and um unfortunately mick uh got into an argument with a rattlesnake and lost so uh he was only hunting for a couple of days but uh you know we hunted over Smokey and we hunted over boone and uh we hunted over some great gsps and you know it was a, it was a great camp all around and, but uh you know i i knew the funny part is i just I just had that little short anecdote about Mick running big, and I know for a fact Smokey runs bigger. Like really? that dog will go out to a quarter mile or a half a mile. He that dog will cover some ground. I know there's yeah, a couple times, we, you know, we're up there on the plains, and you know, and so we're Smokey, and you know, or yeah, you look up and just be a little white speck going across the far ridge. So, holy, <laughs> that dog can move. And next thing you know, you know, you'd swear it was only a minute later. And he's by your, you know, he's by Pat wanting a drink, and then he gets, you know, he gets loaded, and it's kind of like a NASCAR driver comes in, gets a, gets a squirt of fuel, and he's gone again. <laughs> it's like a pit stop yeah, for NASCAR. I was, I was hunting with with Bella out in the grasslands in October, and uh, it's just, and she opens up not quite that far, but uh, much farther than she does, you know, down here, and uh, just seeing them running across the plains and through the grass it's just so great to see oh it's it's interesting how they really so easily adjust to you know getting out and roaming further i think uh, maybe it's because you know because typically we keep in eyesight although it's you know in the in the uh in the desert here you get the the mesquite and stuff and or the Pinon juniper, um, so it's not constant, but it's you know we keep an eyesight of each other, and so I think she it's probably similar, you know she still knows where I am, but she's able to get it out further. Right, yeah, and I think that's I think that's got a lot to do with you know that big country can really teach a dog to you know to stretch out and work some truly big country, which is why I think Pat does it every year is to get those dogs to. You know, to where the range out and, and you know really benefits. I mean, that's what he goes up for for more as a as a training trip more than a hunting trip. But uh, you know, like yeah. you said, it was you know it's just like with the you know new hunters at the 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 event this past weekend or the last two weekends we've done events. But uh, you know, seeing it click for them for the for the dogs, it's just just it can't help but smile it was when it finally you know that light bulb goes off and the dog gets it and really you know they hit that next level of of hunter and uh you just you can't help but sit back and smile and uh you know and i do a lot of photography and it's one of those times that i actually forget to take a picture you know i enjoy the moment so much <laughs> nice nice that's good yeah well, anything else no i was actually just thinking that uh you know i think we've covered a lot and i don't want to take up all of your night but uh but Wolf, I cannot thank you enough for for coming on and and talking about the uh, the BHA event, and I can't wait for the next one. 
Yeah, well, thank you for all your help, too. It was great having you in camp and, um, you know, keep up all your all your good work with Quail Forever. And we're looking forward to partnering more. So let's let's keep it rolling. Sounds good to me. But uh, all right, Wolf. Well, I will sign off and I'll let you have your evening. And uh, thanks again. All right. Thank you. Take care. Yep. You Bye-bye. too. Bye.